0: Hello and welcome to another edition of We Ain't Got No Podcast. Jay Wilmington here, Julian Bravo joining me as we have gotten so accustomed to. But Julian, we're having a totally different conversation than we were expecting to have here on this podcast. We thought we might have a fairly somber uh, review of the loss to Dynamo Zagreb and, I, and of course we'll mention just kind of a jumping off point for what we're here to talk about today. But Julian Thomas Tuchel Sacked woke up this morning here in America and and, and had found out the news a few hours before I woke up. And my goodness, Julian, you were the first person actually that I heard from when I woke up. I had a text from you. What are your initial just reactionary thoughts to this big news?
1: Definitely shock, surprise. Um, I woke up to a ridiculous amount of text messages from a lot of friends and family that didn't even directly mention what had happened. But of course, the moment I got these messages, I knew something big and significant happened. And when I saw the news, I had both a reaction of surprise and confusion. I think a lot of people probably had that same sort of reaction. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little further. But yeah, I uh, still to this moment I'm a little surprised by everything that happened.
0: Well, I think there's a lot of ways we could skin this cat. There's so many ways to talk about this conversation, um, but I think this is where I want to start because this is the thing that jumps out in my mind as the most. Uh, it, it just keeps coming to me the most is is the timing of this all, and I think somewhat as we've talked about, you know, in these matches recently with the transfer window still open and the, the amount of work Thomas Tuchel ha- was having to do outside of just a coaching job and seemingly like this big push from the new ownership to uh, lean on him. And, you know, with Obama Yang coming in just days prior to the sacking and sort of theoretically a lot of the conversation there being that, that's Tuchel's guy in this reunion – You know, where where does that leave you first and foremost, the the timing of this in the context of what Chelsea as a club was trying to do theoretically with Tuchel at the helm? I think our job is to try to separate a lot of the
1: gossip that's going to come out from the tabloids with what might actually be true. I think one thing that has to be true when it comes to this decision is it had to have been in the works there's no way they just said, Hey, there was one match. It was a bad performance, even if it was a couple of matches, including leads where they're like, this is a bad performance. If they had felt this way for a while, then you have to question the decisions that have been made since. But. One of two things has to be true. It's either true that this has been planned for a while and they still decided to go ahead with a lot of the things Tuchel wanted, or something that makes even less sense is this is a reactionary effect from the performance at Zagreb. And I can't imagine that that's the case. So I think just kind of looking at it from the outside perspective, you have to say they always had this in mind. This has been something that's been planned for a while now.
0: I think that's right. Over time, of course, with this ownership group, as they are there with us longer, we will come to know more about the way they are going to handle business, the how quickly they do, how s- the similarities or the differences from the Abramovich ownership group will be. But I think that's absolutely accurate, that while this may look very reactionary, I think it's very telling that. This, this investment group and again it's not just Todd bully I think there's a lot of this narrative out there like Todd Bully's this American cowboy just kind of shooting from the hip but this is a billion dollar plus you know billions and billions of dollar investment group um, that has a lot of voices and I think that you know he, he's he's obviously right at the front of that but but this is a group that won't make decisions, in my mind, so reactionary. In fact, it's one of the reasons I was so surprised that they made a decision like this in this time frame. And so, you know, you and I have even talked a little bit about the idea of will a management group, how how will a management group, a new group, be with a manager that's incumbent? Will they look for that shiny new signing in the manager side similar to the transfer market with players or will they actually be interested in investing deeply in a manager that's left over from a previous regime and that has all conversation aside from what is actually our performance has been and and I think you have even way ahead of me um, been concerned about the direction of you know, Chelsea's performance on the pitch going back well into last season. So, so let me put it to you there, Julian, um, you know, speak a little bit more about that longevity of decision and where do you think that if this is not maybe reactionary, where, where is the fraying of the threads beginning with Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea?
1: So this is a great starting point to something that has been our most contentious debate since the moment Tuchel took over. I'm not going to hide the fact that I never fully bought into Tuchel. I never liked him. And that's been the biggest difference and issue between me and you for a number of years at this point is I didn't trust the guy. And I understand in theory, we should always do our best to support and back our manager. But The moment he took over, there were some decisions I didn't like, and it's easy for me to say in hindsight that I had some concerns about these issues, but I voiced them to you, and I voiced them to a lot of people at the time. I didn't like the player empowerment he gave, and I'm just going to give some very quick examples to it. And for those that don't remember, Marcus Alonso was completely out of the team. Uh, Frank Lampard had booted him out of the team after his uh, issues. I can't remember exactly which match it was, but Alonso was completely out of the frame. Jorginho for a brief bit of time was completely benched he wasn't even making the bench in certain matches and there were some issues with Rudiger as well Timo Werner also got benched as well so there were a lot of these players that were on the outside periphery of the team and Tuchel coming in he gave a lot of these players a fresh start which in theory yes a manager should do but he somewhat emboldened and empowered a lot of the voices in my opinion that were causing a lot of the issues within the club. At this point we've all established that there's very much a issue with player control power control within the club and i felt he was empowering the wrong sorts of people he was bringing back the wrong people back into the fold and it was one of those things where he was doing what was best for him at the time and it wasn't in the best interest of the club long term so that was the first thing that he did and i really Had a lot of issues with the way he was treating certain players, including Tammy Abraham, who by all accounts didn't deserve the level of treatment that he was given by Thomas Tuchel. But it was one of those things where I said, give him time at the very least. I don't trust him right now. I don't like a lot of the things he's doing early in his tenure with the club. However, I can at least see the results on the pitch themselves. We had become a team that was very difficult to cope with, one that was difficult to defeat. And I felt like if we can just continue to ride this wave going forward, we have an opportunity to do something really special, which we did. But from that point going forward, we can't make this mistake. We have to go with the mindset that we're building towards the future rather than just a short-term vision. And I think that's where the biggest issue that Boley found in Tuchel, was right there. I don't think at any point Tuchel had a long-term vision for the club. I can probably get into this a little bit later, but I'll turn it back over to you. That's been what I've said to you from the very start. I don't think Tuchel always felt the long-term vision with this
0: club. It, Yeah, I think that's a, certainly a fair argument to make. And, and in a in a conversation here talking about you know his sacking coming up Really, what, six matches, at least in the league, into the season, so quickly, it's, yeah, I mean, you're you're right. I think a lot of these cracks, ultimately now, it's a lot easier. It's easy to go back and see um, beginning much earlier. And, And I think where the dichotomy comes in for me is sort of the difference between seeing a lot of the, you know, challenges of Thomas Tuchel while also, you know, trying to... See the context of where he comes in, what he's asked to do, what he has accomplished in that time, and you know, as true like a lot of times when we're talking about a manager shortly after they've been fired, we it doesn't take too long to go back at Chelsea and see great success that they accomplished, and and many times under very difficult circumstances, often because they just followed another fired manager. In fact, and and that was kind of for me the story of Tuchel. Interestingly enough, I find it that I became, at least between you and I, the defender of Tuchel, because it was hard for me to find a manager in world football prior to his hiring that I that I sort of was ingratiated less to. He, his personality was a little bit grating to me. I, I wasn't a really a huge fan of the way he'd handled a few things at his time at Dortmund and also at PSG, and I just when we hired him and and it was a hard time to have lost this feel-good story of Lampard at Chelsea, I I was not a Tuchel guy. Um, I think I became – I think he won me over pretty quickly in part because his demeanor was consistently different than I thought it would be. I think even as I find it a little bit interesting that some of the, you know, former, what I'd call them now, Chelsea insiders, like uh, – that's probably not fair, but, you know, Simon Johnson saw Kinsella – not Not quite having as many breaking stories these days, because I think they don 't have the same relationship with the bully ownership but but you know you you could see an actual bit of personal relationship there and the way that he could make himself seem um, i don 't know he could seem like your buddy, even though you kind of knew that wasn 't really the relationship and I think i felt that felt that way a bit as as a fan and um over time. It also helps when the guy wins a Champions League, right? So, I mean, it's – I think if you're at any other club, that stands out and makes him even a bigger shining star when we eventually look back at him down the road at at what his impact was at Chelsea. I think the fact that, you know, Di Matteo won one while we finished sixth and he was an interim manager sort of, like, steals a little bit of, like, how special that really was that he did that. Um you know, and he's credited Lampard for, you know, it, Tuchel wasn't the only guy that sort of accomplished that. But but I guess, for me, that's where all my dichotomy comes in of, like, I think this was the right decision. I You know, you and I have talked about, I think we agreed about the fact that if this continued the way it was, things were not going to get better. There was so much concern for match-to-match-to-match to match to match and outside of the Tottenham League match that we didn't even win. You could almost argue every performance we had was fairly poor. So I don't think things were going to get better. And in, in a way, I, I feel, if this isn't hypocritical, maybe it is, that I like Tuchel. I, I, there's a part of me that feels very sad today that he's gone, and yet I still don't think this was the wrong decision because of where I agree with you that this was heading, if that makes any sense.
1: So I want to go on record and defend Tuchel, because whenever I do defend Tuchel, this is the argument I have always said. If I was in Thomas Tuchel's shoes, I would have done the exact same thing that he did. And that's always my argument for why I can justify and why I don't hold anything against him personally. Football is a self-interested sport. Everybody has their own self-interest, from the players to the managers to the owners. And unfortunately, I could never see Tuchel's self-interest aligning with the rest of the club. And that's where I had the issue. But looking at him from the outside, I just simply said, he needs to get results now. And that's a lot with the culture of Chelsea itself. It's not about getting results five years from now. It's about getting the Champions League now, getting the Premier League now. And that was put on Tuchel's shoulders. And he had to bear that burden. And I think as a result, a lot of the decisions he made when Roman was here definitely leaned a lot more towards getting those results now And in the second season, his first full season with us, you could see that we weren't getting those results that we were looking for. If anything, it looked oftentimes like we had regressed a lot from the season before. And I think a lot of that was due to the fact that the players that he had backed weren't performing to the same sort of level. The ideas and changes he had made weren't working. And most notably and distinctly, what I always said was, if you're going to implement a system, it will eventually be figured out. And Antonio Conte's system was figured out. And going back even further, Carlo Ancelotti's uh, diamond formation, they all get figured out eventually. And once they get figured out, you need to come up with something new. You need to bring some new ideas to the club. And it never looked like Tuchel had a secondary plan. He didn't have a secondary vision for where he was going to go since the results started drying up. And that caused what I look at this most transfer window, this most recent transfer window as – He was looking for short-term solutions. Everything, for the most part, was a short-term solution. Koulibaly felt like a short-term solution. Uh, Sterling felt like a short-term solution. And worst of all, Aubameyang felt like a short-term solution. I don't know if he genuinely felt that if he got the signings he wanted, Chelsea was able to contend this season. But we needed so many more pieces than those players. And buying players to win now and try to compete for the league now when we were in no position to do so that was causing far more harm to the club than anything else. And I think that's what bullies finally started to see. And that's probably where we finally made this decision that had been coming for quite a while, actually.
0: I have difficulty trying to sort this all out in my mind, even here as we speak and try to go, where do we go with this next? But I, but I think you've helped me there a bit in, in um, kind of, not not necessarily where do we go from here, but but with this sort of like chaotic approach that's been going on both the manager, new ownership, and and maybe understanding why this decision ultimately gets made. And you know, I agree with you. Having been found out, and 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 for me, surprisingly, in surprising inability to at least like commit to do something different or, or to recognize that you, that system has been found out match after match. You're seeing very similar patterns of play that are making teams with far less talent look not only able to suppress your ability, but to look like they can outplay you. Uh, I, I just expected more reaction and change to that. But, you know, kind of, again, with where we are here and, and Tuchel's departure we're in a we're obviously in a strange place so so where do we go from here and obviously the manager will 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 matter some degree but i guess my bigger question is there is this going to is this partly going to look long term um and if so why was management, as I think you've rightly identified, sort of being allowed to look at these short-term solutions as recently as just a few days ago? I mean, I think Obama Yang for me is the ultimate short-term solution. And I also think, as we've chatted about here, this decision wasn't made in 24 hours. So, I'm having the most difficult time rationalizing sort of those two things that I believe are both true, sort of how is Tuchel able to approach and pursue these short-term stopgap solutions while maybe management or at least ownership, as we hear, Graham Potter's name is the big one right now that seems most likely to take over. The whole conversation there is that that they're trying to sell him on – they want a guy for the long term. Um, I guess if I was Graham Potter, I'd be saying, wait a minute, why were you still spending major, major money on short term stopgap solutions at the advice of this other guy when that wasn't when you have been prepared to make this change? Um, You know, where, how do you rationalize some of that?
1: I think looking at it now, you can kind of see a lot of similarities between Abramovich and Todd Boley, because People assumed that Abramovich was quick to sack people. And he was. I mean, that's the case uh, during his duration as the owner of the club. There were so many managers that came through the door as quick as they, uh, you know, signed the agreement. However, I don't. I don't think that. Boley wants to be that sort of person. I think that he is also, I always felt Abramovich was looking for that one manager that was going to be Pep Guardiola, that was going to be there for an extensive period of time. We were going to build this amazing brand of football and we were going to be a powerhouse. Unfortunately, there are so few of those managers out there in the entire world that he never found the perfect fit. No matter who it was, Mourinho, football wasn't attractive enough. Ancelotti, uh, results dried up in his second season. Um, Andres Villas-Boas, who he wanted to commit to, definitely couldn't get the results, was out of his depth. You can find some fault with every single manager that he appointed. And I think Boley has a little bit more... It's impossible to say. This is all just assumptions. But I hope that bully has a little bit more patience with these managers. I think the one good faith thing he showed to the supporters of the club was I will do what Abramovich never did. I will buy into a manager. 100%. I will give him everything he wants. And that's exactly what he did. And I feel like that's the intention he had when he purchased the club was to give this manager all the backing in the world. Something went wrong at some point. There was something that him or the ownership group saw and said, okay, you know, this is a little concerning. And then it was exacerbated by not just the results, but some of the decisions that were made. It's really difficult to separate fact from gossip, but you can go from anything like the uh, Mateus Delic situation, where it sounded like Tuchel was furious. They couldn't sign the player he wanted to Cristiano Ronaldo, who it sounded like Boley desperately wanted and Tuchel was having none of it. Disconnect between what the manager and the owner wants. And then the long-term vision and ideas for the club as well, it there is such a disconnect between the long-term vision for both the manager that it sounds like he wants somebody that may have the same sort of vision, somebody that can build something for a longer, more sustained period of time, no matter what the cost.
0: And I think that's where in theory the name Graham Potter makes a lot of sense. If that actually were to be the plan, and, you know, there's going to be this big investment from the ownership group, understanding that that investment may take a little time. I look over at our neighbors in London, you know, Arsenal, and it's not a model that Chelsea's looking to to copy, obviously, but I think maybe being a little less immediate pressure for Mikel Arteta to win trophies every year has allowed him the time to work through the kinks, if you will, of the system or the player development or whatever. And I'm not suggesting Arsenal's going to go on to win the league, but I do think that they are afforded right now or have been afforded over the last several years an opportunity to improve while not getting so worried about a short stretch of maybe not favorable results. And so I wonder if that is something that this ownership group would actually be willing to commit to, then then Graham Potter seems like a pretty good candidate. In the past, there has been, you know, a desire to have that person without the willingness to let them struggle for a little bit. Um, Obviously, the fear there is you never know if that's a short-term struggle or a long-term struggle at the moment. And so... We've had a pretty itchy trigger finger, and so I, I guess that's where I go from here. Of, I, it's very hard for me to know how committed the new ownership group is to a different style of long-term management, or whether they're going to expect a person who has been in a club with that style and approach to come in and copy and paste that onto Chelsea in a time frame that is not reasonable to do so. Um, again, we're, I guess I don't know how else you'd know because this is going to be the first new hire of this particular ownership group. Um, but I think that there's some excitement there to, to look long-term. But again, that's just where it doesn't necessarily... Fit with some of the transfer business as recently as just a week ago. And then also, um, I'm, I'm not familiar enough deeply with, say, Brighton's whole structure to, to be able to identify what percentage Graham Potter is responsible for um, their, their success at large, right? I mean, we talk about that at Chelsea. And then add into this discussion in the background is when and where is a director of football going to be hired and installed and how are they going to have a relationship with the next manager and the owners and can we find a way to have this be like some other clubs have, a pretty good relationship where the ownership group, the director of football, and the manager all have fairly defined roles, and yet they're all sort of focused in the same direction. I think that's what the ultimate goal is, but what it takes to get there, I, 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 I don't know how close we are. And that's something I don't like to
1: try to predict or make any assumptions about. One of the things that kind of bothered me about the messages I received this morning was people were already moving on to the next thing. What's next for the club? Who are we signing? Who do you want to be our manager? All of those things I don't have answers for. I never had answers for those, mostly because I didn't expect to hear that news this morning. And even if I did have answers for those, it doesn't mean that my answers are right. And it doesn't mean that Bowley has the right answers at this time either. So I don't like trying to make any sort of guesses or predictions as to what's going to happen next, because we have no idea what's going to happen next. We have no idea what type of manager Grant Potter is going to be. He could be the answer. He could be the long-term success for the future and something that we're committed to for a very long time. Or he could just be another manager that we see this Abramovich era continue where he's in and out, he doesn't get the same sort of results, and we're already moving on to the next thing. So until so we have a better sample size for what Todd Bowley is doing, I don't want to make any sort of predictions or guesses.
0: Let me ask you this one quick question. Since the other name along with Graham Potter that was sort of, you know, been mentioned alongside him, although in every conversation secondarily so, is Maurizio Pochettino, are you glad that we're not, that we're talking Potter first and not Pochettino first? Here's the answer I have to that question. And I know this isn't a popular
1: answer because I get a lot of backlash for this one. I don't think Pochettino is a terrible choice. There are worse choices out there. And again, I know this is a controversial take, but the option I'm thinking of is Zidane. He never struck me as a person looking to build a long-term future with one club. And especially if he couldn't do it with his club of Real Madrid, there's no reason to believe he could do it with Chelsea. And that seems like a big-name, short-term sort of managerial signing the two managers we are looking at, if it gives me any sort of hope and optimism, they both give off the impression that they are long-term visionaries. They are managers that can build something at a club over time. So I like the fact that those are the two names mentioned. I like the fact that Graham Potter is the one that's mentioned above Pochettino, mostly because Pochettino has been kind of chewed up and spit out at a couple of places at this point, and I don't know what he still has left in him, if he's going to be a little... Mourinho-esque in his approach to things going forward or if he's going to try to actually build something from scratch with the right backing so that's my reaction to those
0: yeah and 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 this is obviously kind of an impossible question to answer but since I think you and I are both intrigued with the potential of you know if, if we could commit long term are you personally willing to sacrifice this season to an extent obviously there's a difference in finishing sixth and finishing 14th Uh, what are you willing or or would you rather see us sort of sacrifice this season to commit to a long-term plan and feel pretty good about the direction or do you think that that's just not in the Chelsea DNA and you know somebody we're going to have to try to kind of thread the needle there to have somebody that may be focused long term but still has very high expectations for this current campaign especially considering we're still so early in it I mean I think about you know uh, this Champions League loss in particular it seems so severe to Dynamo Zagreb because you know we got our manager fired and that's going to be a major remembering point but at the same time like Salzburg drew with Milan. So we're not exactly out of this champions league thing. We're still in sixth place, seventh place in the league. Uh, we're right there. So, so are, what are you personally, personal feelings towards giving someone some time? Because I think grandpa or even at Brighton took some real time to create what they are now. Here's the way I look at it. And this again, might not be popular,
1: but if anything, we're ahead of schedule by this decision. Because I felt like this season was essentially going to be just that, a throwaway season. But the issue was, we weren't going to be building towards anything in the future. We were actually going to continue to regress the club even further. We were going to continue to hold on to some players that were past their prime that didn't have as much use in the club anymore. And We were going to have to replace them next summer, and we were just going to be starting from scratch in a vicious cycle where it was going to be another 200 million pounds to try to get us to contention level with a guy that really didn't seem to have the long-term vision in mind. If we do appoint somebody, I don't care where we finish in the league so long as obviously we're not relegated, but we're already ahead of schedule in the fact that we should bring in some guy that will have a plan that goes a little further than just trying to win the league this year. I'm sure Todd Boley has told or is going to tell whoever becomes our manager that we need these results right now. But at the same time, as long as you can see some sort of progress with the club, then I think that's good enough. I think that's all we're honestly asking for is a light at the end of the tunnel, some sort of promise that we can in the future compete because I think with the exception of some people that may have been a little too optimistic, we weren't going to be competing for the league title or champions league titles for a very long time,
0: especially with the squad
1: we had right now.
0: And that's where I think Graham Potter has a little leverage, maybe not on securing himself, the Chelsea, you know, manager position, but you know, he's been talked about as Garrett Southgate's eventual replacement as the, uh, you know, manager for the England national team. He's, been mentioned in the Manchester United before Ten Hag got hired as a potential there. So I, I think if I'm him and I'm talking to Todd Bowley, I think that's my conversation is to say, look, if, if you were Roman Abramovich, I know exactly how this goes and what my expectations are, but, you know, convince me that you're going to be there for me and that you're going to, you know, y- y- it looked like you were going to do that for Tuchel. Why is it me and not Tuchel that you're going to actually kind of invest in long term I think that's a fair question. I think he has the right to kind of, to kind of push on that. And I think Bowie can make the conversation, make the argument that he, that look, this is what we've wanted from the beginning. We're looking for a director of football. We're looking for a long term plan. We came into this short term. We 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 needed immediate success. But I th- I think like you, where I'm conf- Well, let me let me speak for me. Actually, I'm conflicted because. While the personal side of me likes Thomas Tuchel would like to have seen us figure out a way to work with him, I saw the same thing, that this season was ultimately going in a wrong direction fast, and we've seen this enough times with different clubs, not just us, to know that even though if we can't make quite sense of it, when there's this clear division between the player personnel and the manager, and they're not getting a response from one match to the next, sometimes that's just the end of it. And the willingness to... I, I The surprise for me this morning was that based on what we've been doing in the transfer market, I thought we might be willing to commit to Tuchel long-term, regardless of his success on the pitch. I think this shows pretty clearly that we obviously are going to demand a lot. But but again, that's where as that's where me, I'm split, because it's still hard for me sitting right now to feel good about Thomas Tuchel being gone, and yet if maybe it's hypocritical, but it's it's I feel strongly it's the right decision and gives us some hope. I just got done recently recording a podcast talking about the preseason for Chelsea women and how it's such a difference from the Chelsea men in like every way that is a little discouraging and overwhelming. It's like there's just hope and positivity and the transfer signings in the preseason. And now for the first time with the Chelsea men's team, I feel like there's there's this turning point where at least we don't know that it'll be positive, but I think there's some a place to rebuild hope from again. Yeah,
1: and I, I do kind of want to circle this back to Tuchel. I feel like Tuchel should be our main focus on this, but I wanted to direct this question to you right from the start. Do you actually feel that this was the right decision? Do you feel that Tuchel's time was up? I actually want this on the record, whether or not you thought we needed to make this decision.
0: Uh, Yes. On the record, I think this was, if I could boil all my feelings down to one direction, yes, I think this was the right decision. Um, Obviously, I mean, man, could I be second guessing myself? I guess. But again, some ways I feel so positively it is the right decision because regardless of where we go immediately in the future, I did not see that things were going to turn around in the short term. And some of, in fact, some of my fears were that we were really committed to what we were doing on the pitch, which was not effective at all. And the support that I thought Tuchel had from the ownership group gave me the impression that this was you know that they would stick with him through whatever for at least for a while at least maybe till the world cup and so um that that was the biggest fear hanging over me from a chelsea's direction standpoint and it's not hanging over me right now because i think that even if our success doesn't immediately improve on the pitch i can maybe it's just telling myself this and we don't even have a new manager hired yet but i would feel like there's a direction we're moving toward now instead of falling away from a direction we once had, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it, it makes sense. And I think where I started to question if things might actually go this way was I social media is a terrible place to go to kind of get a reaction or thoughts on how people feel about a manager, especially after a bad loss. But it looked like once upon a time, no matter what Tuchel did, he had the backing of the supporters. It was universal trust in Tuchel. He has a plan. He's going to continue to build for the future. He wants the Champions League. All of these positive things to say about Tuchel. But you slowly started seeing with a lot of our results this season that it was getting a little bit more mixed, it was getting a little bit more even. And most recently, after that Zagreb match, it was really bad. And I think that that was a first indicator for me that, okay, I think it's a little crazy. I don't think it's possible that they will sack Tuchel, To, You know, there are enough people that if we feel this way, if there's so many people, even the most diehard Tuchel supporters that had supported him through some of our worst moments, they were starting to turn on him, then I imagine that the ownership group at least has some concerns at the very least. And it looked like at this point, those concerns were enough for them to make such a huge decision, which wasn't as drastic as a lot of people think. But... Obviously, it's interesting to hear from you, somebody that I labeled as maybe my uh, last of the diehard Tuchel supporters. You were the last one to kind of say, maybe he's not the guy. It's just interesting to me that you got to a point where even you weren't so sure that he could be the man for the future.
0: Yeah, and I'll admit, I'm like a little bit of a sentimental and even, like I said, even right now, I don't I don't feel good that he's gone. And I it, again, I... Twitter's not my favorite place to go either, and particularly for information. But seeing some of that stuff today in social media about, you know, reports about how that call was handled and that Tuchel, cool, how surprised he was and that, you know, supposedly sort of pitched to, you know, gave a pitch to to stay on, that, you know, whether or not that stuff's true. The, the analyst in me is like, that's meaningless. The decision's made, we're moving on, that's, you know you, – the, the human in me is like, ah gosh, that kind of breaks my heart. Like, this guy comes in, and, and I've seen him give all these press conferences. I've watched hours and hours and hours of him talking about his tactics and his feelings. And just kind of, like, being a personable guy. Again, when I, I mentioned it before, I went from someone who had... My, my thoughts of what we were getting out of this human was very, very different than the impression he gave me. And I came to care about the guy. Um, but, you know, I... I've been around Chelsea and football long enough to like understand. Hey, don't get too attached to these managers, man. They're, even the ones you love aren't going to be around very long. And whether I mean Lampard, what an example, right? I mean, it's just like we knew when he came in. We all love him. We'll love him when he leaves. But don't don't get too wrapped up in him being the manager because this is by definition short term. And so, you know, I, I'm I'm I, I can have feelings and care about people, but I'm also very willing to to move on. And again, I think ultimately I care about the success of Chelsea and my concerns were great uh, ever since really this, the start of the season. So that's, that's where I am. Let me ask you this one question. This is not maybe, you know, a huge, huge thing in this conversation, but there's so many little threads on this. Um, you know, what are your thoughts right now, especially on Billy Gilmore? Because I think you and I have talked a little bit about the fact I don't think, personally, Billy Gilmore is going to be some defining point in Chelsea, the fact that he was sold to Brighton, but it's just such a unique circumstance where this guy was essentially marginalized from Chelsea as soon as Tuchel arrived, was sent on loan to, to, to Norwich, where Tuchel gets along well with, with Fark, and, and didn't Gilmore didn't make any impression there, and I'm assuming the feedback Tuchel got from Fark was, you know, you don't need you don't need to worry about this guy. Totally a polar opposite from what we saw about Lampard and how Gilmore had success under him. And so here we are, Gilmore gets sold for peanuts to Brighton to go be with Graham Potter, who has, you know, Tariq Lamptey's there, but not just him, they have an academy of, of good players, and it just, there was a lot of sentiment around Chelsea that now that Gilmore's going to Brighton, he'll succeed, thrive, and sort of make us regret the decision to sell him. And now you're Billy Gilmore at Brighton, and days later, Graham Potter's probably not your manager because he's back at Chelsea. I just, man, what a world, huh?
1: Oh, yeah. And I, that's a nice positive that I'm seeing from this as well. It I had some issues, obviously, with the way he was integrating a lot of our academy players. And I know I sometimes come off as a huge academy homer that I love our youth players more than most people should. And it's never been that. I want an entire 11 of just Academy players, but I feel like it's reasonable and sensible to ask, hey, instead of signing Zappacosta, instead of signing Baba Raman, instead of signing Bakayoko, how about we just give these players the bench spot? How about we just see what they can do? Rather than spending 20, 30 million on all of these players that aren't really there, just giving some of these kids an opportunity or some of these players that aren't performing, just give these kids a shot. That's what I was looking for. And it was disheartening, especially given Koulibaly's early season performances, to see him be the player that we signed at a cost, $33 million, and some decent wages at the cost of a player that had such a wonderful season last year, like Levi Colwell. And it was obvious that it's because Tuchel had this short-term vision in mind. He wanted to bring in players that could win now and Rather than building towards the future with a player like Billy Gilmore, as opposed to Jorginho, or a player like Levi Colwell, as opposed to uh, Koulibaly, player like Armando Broja instead of Obama Yang, which was the one that really bothered me, he persisted with these players with the idea and thought that I can win now when it never appeared we were capable of winning something significant at this point. So that's my glass
0: half full approach to this one, at least. But yeah, that's just my thoughts on that. Let me ask you one more thing. I think you know I, you're right. This is this is kind of the focus on on Thomas Tuchel and, and with his departure specifically. We'll have so much more time to talk about, especially once it's official. Who actually you know the Chelsea manager is going forward and all the challenges they'll face. And you know it could be as early that we have a new permanent manager on the sideline for for this weekend. You know against Fulham, we'll see. We'll we'll see on that, but. Are there any players inside the current Chelsea squad? Obviously, de- it'll depend on what who's favored by the new incoming manager, but th- are there any current players in our squad now that you kind of are looking for or think might have a resurgence with a new manager that's just not Tuchel, who's not seen something in them, or maybe even a player that has been super favored by Tuchel that you found, you know, like, why is this guy being so favored by this manager that another manager may step in and suddenly, um, you know, somebody in the team may, team may be either concerned or excited by his departure.
1: Oh, yeah, you're setting me up to get myself in trouble with this one. I feel like people want to hear the answer of something along the lines of Lula, Sitch, or ZH. and to be fair to them, they will get opportunities that they weren't going to get otherwise, so they might sneak their way. Neither have been consistent enough of a performer for either of the managers that they have worked with to really nail down a spot and be there long term. So those are the first two that jumped to mind. Um, Maybe you might see a resurgence from Havertz because it seemed like Havertz was really struggling to adapt to the system. And contrary to popular belief, he's a great player. He's so much talent and ability that it's just a matter of finding somebody that can get the best out of him. So thinking of our attacking players in that sense. And of course, I have to address the elephant in the room, the one that everybody probably has the most issue with, either for a positive or a negative direction. That's Jorginho. It seemed like Tuchel was a huge fan of Jorginho. And it's ironic that at the end, he finally ended up benching Jorginho because he didn't play him for either of his last two matches. But A lot of people either are in a very pro-Jorginho camp or they're in a very strong anti-Jorginho camp. And I appreciate what Jorginho is as a player. He offers something very unique and different to almost every other player in the world, but he doesn't offer enough in this team for what we are trying to do. And if anything, I wonder if he will get the same sort of, I hate to say it, favoritism it felt like he was getting for a very long time being played in his preferred position being surrounded by a bunch of players to protect just him so he definitely feels like the odd man out that might not get the same sort of preferential treatments but who knows it obviously depends on our manager there might be a manager that really favors his playing style and might want to continue what Sari and tuchel have been trying to do and build around this player but it's too early to say
0: Man, you really didn't fall into my trap there to say that this was going to be, this was going to turn in Christian Pulisic into the star of the Chelsea team. No, I, I, I say that tongue-in-cheek just because that's been one of the major social media reactions I've seen. At least, again, keep in mind, we're we're both in America, so that's where naturally we'd see a lot of that reaction. But, you know, again, again I think that there, there's a lot of players that will at least have the opportunity to make a new impression on a manager and that can be... Um, that can obviously go a lot of ways. I mean, personally, I think of a guy like Ben Chilwell, who it's like, man, this can be fascinating. You know, if, if it is Graham Potter, Kukurea just came from Brighton. He obviously feels very positive about, but we've seen, you know, Chilwell look pretty bright and he's coming back and he's motivated. And, um, you know, what, one thing I find interesting, we'll talk, we'll talk more on later is, you know, Potter does have experience playing with at least a back three, back five, a fair amount. Um, so if he ultimately is signed as the manager, um, you know, I, I don't, I I think he can work with what we have right now, at least from a, from without making such massive changes that there should be a, a, a huge disruption in ability to perform short-term, uh, while hopefully at least improving our ability to break down defenses, uh, at least, you know, hopefully short-term, but at least long-term. Um, Julian, let me ask you this. I think you know I'm I'm still almost moment by moment processing this this change and where we're going to go going forward. Make it sort of work momentarily while we transition to kind of what we want to do do in the new sense. Um, but I but I guess where do you where do you personally want to go from here as, as we wrap this up? At, you know, as, as a fan, as somebody who's known this club and cared about them a long time. What what's kind of you know this is a big transition point for Chelsea and, and wrapping it up where where do you, where is you where do you hope looking back at today that this moment was and what it did going forward for Chelsea?
1: I very much want to give a thank you to Thomas Tuchel and I appreciate everything he did for the club. I obviously did not like the guy. I was not his biggest fan, and I was I would say maybe one of his vocal anti supporters if such a thing exists. But at the end of the day, I still appreciated that he achieved something that only one other manager has ever achieved that can never be taken away from us. And I am very grateful to him for that. And what he built with the club. What I really hope this signifies is we finally find our person. I hope that Bowley is able to get the right man for the job. All every single Chelsea supporter wants is success and long-term sustained success and ideally with one person at the helm because that's all we've ever really wanted was somebody that's there for a very long extended period of time one that feels like one of us one that has not just his best interest in mind the player's best interest in mind the club's best interest in mind that's all we ever really want so i hope this is the turning point i hope we have all of this toxicity from any of the previous regimes behind us and. From this point, moving forward, we finally are able to establish
0: ourselves as
1: what we know we're capable of.
0: So say we all, I think, you know, we've gotten so used to being Chelsea fans and expecting the short term, but I think it would be really refreshing to be able to be a little longer-term focused and to actually commit to that. So we'll hope that this is the moment. Julian, thanks again for joining me. It's always so great to have you. We'll be again together very shortly, I have no doubt, most likely following the match this weekend and probably be talking about our first new manager's match in charge. So until we meet again, thanks for listening, Chelsea fans. This has been another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast.